Welcome to The Brainstorm, a podcast and video series from ARK Invest. Tune in every week as we react to the latest in innovation and reflect on how short-term news impacts our long-term views. To learn more, visit arc-invest.com. ARK Investment Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. ARK and Public are unaffiliated entities and do not have a relationship with respect to either firm marketing or selling the products or services of the other. And therefore, ARK disclaims responsibility for any loss that may be incurred by public's clients or customers. The information provided in this show is for informational purposes only and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision and is subject to change without notice. It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by ARK and investors should determine for themselves whether a particular investment management service is suitable for their investment needs. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by ARC and or show guests and are not endorsements by ARC of any company or security or recommendations by ARC to buy, sell, or hold any security. Historical results are not indications of future results. Certain of the statements contained in the show may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on ARC's current views and assumptions and involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. ARC assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking information. ARC and its clients, as well as its related persons, may, but do not necessarily, have financial interest in securities or issuers that are discussed. Certain information was obtained from sources that ARC believes to be reliable. However, ARC does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information obtained from any third party. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Brainstorm, episode 12. Uh, today, we have Tasha Kinion as well as Andrew Kim. We are going to talk all things AI, both on a text basis and FSD basis. And then we will also talk about some drones. Um, Andrew, let's start with you. Can you take us through character AI and this text-based entertainment medium that may be emerging? Sure. Um, so I guess since the launch of ChatGPT uh, last winter, uh, text-based you know, AI and all the experiences that have been built on top of these LLMs, have been all the uh, rage, right? And um, if you've been paying attention to this space, then uh, you would be familiar with character.ai, which essentially is a consumer-facing entertainment platform or maybe even marketplace uh, that features all these different customizable uh, AI chatbots. So as a user, you can go on and create your own chatbots right, and customize them to your liking. Or you can find chatbots that mimic celebrities, for example, or uh, fictional characters, or uh, can also serve uh, productive use cases, right? Like a coding assistant or a therapist, um, or even um, full-on game experiences, right? Like a role-playing game in a text uh, format. Um, and it, it's been gaining a lot of traction. Uh, I think um, desktop, like unique visitors, kind of averaged around 15 million last month. Uh, they also launched a mobile app uh, this past spring, and I think that's around um, a couple million in DAUs. Um, so it seems to have you know generated at least early product market fit. Um, and it's super exciting to see how this space will evolve. 
So as this space evolves, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, you know, where this goes. Does this have legs? And can you really point to this, you know, entertainment medium? Is there something in the past that looked similar to this? Um, where where have we seen this before? I think you you brought up a, a great example on Friday when we had the brainstorm. So would love for you to to talk about that, and then curious what your opinion is on you know where this goes from here. Sure, sure. So I think the last example that I gave with character AI includes you know text based adventure games, right? And we've definitely seen that before. Um, if you think about 1980. Uh, Infocom released Zork, right, which was, I guess, arguably the first text-based like role-playing game uh, that took place on the early personal computers, right, as uh, the industry was shifting from mainframes to uh, personal computers, right, with the rise of Apple and the like. And um, it was all the rage back then too, right, got raving reviews on like Rolling Stone, for example, on Time. And... Um, the company Infocom uh, hit around $10 million in uh, revenue uh, and it peaked there in 1984. And uh, what we saw there was like a big mixture of both like internal and um, I guess more macro related uh, turbulences, right? One being, you know, it was a recessionary time. I think in 19, early 1985, we saw a wave of tech recessions, right? And layoffs. Um, we also saw Infocom um, after kind of creating Zork 1, 2, and 3, and I think also Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by that point. Um, they The company tried to pivot to enterprise software, like a database uh, management software called, I think, Cornerstone. And um, that was you know happening amid the tech recession, so uh, demand wasn't really there. And, and they were faced with a lot of losses and they were eventually acquired by Activision, right? And um, I think uh, finally, and probably most importantly, by 1985, we saw the launch of the NES by Nintendo. And by 96, I think Sega released uh, its first console as well. Um, and this uh, gave rise to the rise of computer graphics in the video game industry. And uh, Infocom didn't really pivot, right? They kind of stuck uh, um, their place in text-based uh, adventure games. And while faced with this overall disruption with like just audio visual kind of becoming a very core part of the video game experience, uh, that kind of led to Zork, I'm uh, sorry, not Zork, Infocom shuttering operations by the end of the decade. And uh, this is not to say that, you know, character AI is another Infocom, but I think it is really interesting to consider that the video game industry kind of went through this pivot from text-based to audio audio and video-based uh, medium um, within, like, the span of a single decade, right? And we seem to be at that text portion today with um, generative AI. So... You know what's not to say that the same thing is going to happen within AI, right? And um, I, I think um, given that we we might like to think that a bigger opportunity and like for market sizing um, is going to be in this next wave of generative AI. That that leads me to a question that I I'd love to you know to tell our audience, Andrew, what is this for? Is it for gamers? Who uses this? Who should care about this? 
Well, for character AI, I think it kind of targets a more niche audience who, you know, care a lot about like celebrities, for example, or care about fictional characters, at least anecdotally, um, when I'm looking at uh, memes, right, of screenshots of character.ai conversations, it seems to focus around those two specific categories. Um, that being said, Snapchat, right, rolled out my AI, uh, which is like a companion chatbot back also during the same time, I want to say or earlier this year. Um, and that kind of made the waves as well as like just a generally humorous um, experience. But I'm not so sure that these um, generative AI chatbots have kind of uh, reached like true product market fit in that the primary way that these chatbots are uh, generating entertainment value is through like the meme value of it, right? In that people are trying to break it or trying to mess it up or trying to, uh, you know, make the chatbot say something that it's not supposed to, right? And then there's entertainment value there. And the primary entertainment value comes from cross-posting, cross-sharing onto different social media. So I think there's also that question of, you know, thinking about um, these different like social platforms um, and like is the true value in like, being in that platform itself, or um, does the main entertainment value come from sharing it onto other incumbent pl platforms, right? Um, and I, I don't think generative AI, well, this type of text-based AI has really like figured it out quite yet. Um, and we're excited to see if like the introduction of audio or video can change that. Gotcha. Well, definitely a space to watch, and we'll 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 be keeping up with everything that you write and and you're watching. You're you're using these platforms, Andrew. I assume have you have you tried Character AI yet? What are your personal thoughts? I think it adheres to the character well for the first few minutes of like chatting. So I, I was talking with Waluigi, right, from the Super <laughs> Mario Bros. Um, you know, uh, world. And it, it, it sounds like Waluigi for like the first couple of chats, but then it's, it can, I don't know, it starts to like lose the original character. So I, I do wonder if um, the team there is working on, you know, extending, it, like making sure it adheres to the character for as long as possible. Um, sometimes it really depends on the individual chatbots, right? In that some of them like, seem to be really realistic because you just have a lower um barrier to mimicry right in that like um me thinking about like yoshi for example like it, you can't really think about yoshi having a coherent conversation with you right from the super mario brothers but you can have a coherent conversation with elon musk for example right so like there's two very different standards there in terms of like believability um but yeah, I mean, like I, I definitely try, tried it. So, um, but but um, I, I wouldn't say I'm like an avid user of it. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. And I think you brought up a interesting segue into our next topic here. You, you mentioned Elon Musk. Uh, we have Tasha on to talk about some new updates in the FSD world. And Andrew, thank you again for coming on. This was a great segment. We'll continue to watch and see how this evolves. Um, but Tasha, let's switch gears here. Let's go to another end of the spectrum in the AI world. FSD, can you give us a breakdown of this recent weekend? Uh, it seems Elon Musk is testing out features live on his 
other company's platform, X.com. Um, curious what your thoughts are. And yeah, if you can break this down for us, it'd be great. Yeah, so um, this uh, Friday night, I believe, uh, Elon went live on X.com uh, showing a video of him. And uh, well, he, did, he didn't show the person in the passenger seat, but it sounds a lot like the head of autopilot. Um, his name is Ashok Alaswamy. Um, so they, they were test driving uh, version 12 of FSD, Tesla's full self-driving software. Um, why do we care about watching this video? Well, it's not out with consumers yet. So this is, you know, something that the average person has not seen yet. It was a roughly 45 minute video. He drives around Palo Alto. Uh, it's clear that the system isn't perfect, but what's different about this versus what's in consumer cars today is that, um, this latest generation of FSD is much more, uh, it's, one, there's um, like it's it's fewer it, it's less generated by let's say um, manually coded or like rules based AI. It's more that the data itself is curated versus the code lines um, curated to what you want. So the way to think of this is, or the way it was described, is okay. This the car's not explicitly coded to know what a stop sign is. It's just shown videos of people correctly responding to stop signs, which by the way, no, no one does. It's like less, less than <laughs> people actually come to zero miles per hour at, at a stop sign. But, you know, they find those videos uh, that are the correct driver behavior and then feed that to the system to train it what to do. So it learns, you know, directly off video. It's closer to this video in driving out uh, system that Elon has always wanted to build. Yeah, I, I saw a few tweets and I think it was a quote by Elon saying, this is all neural nets, nothing but nets. Right, um, nothing so but can nets, you, yeah. and, and is, that, is that kind of what you're hinting at here? This is not rules-based. This is, as you mentioned, data in, and then you get, you know, correct driving behavior out. Exactly. So, so the, you know, if you think of like the full, uh, autonomy stack. There's, you know, perception, planning, control. There's different, uh, you know, pieces that add up to this puzzle of actually getting the car to drive itself. Um, it used to be that uh, this method, sort of the more like, um, you know, totally neural net based, like end to end deep learning type of method was used in pieces of the stack, but not the full stack. Uh, so, mm -hmm. that, so that's the major change. So again, it's, it's more like video in, output out. Um, it's, 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 it's probably closer to that ideal than they ever have been before. Um, and and what's what's impressive about it is that it seems like it works. I mean, there was one intervention point, and we should probably talk about that. But in the 45-minute drive, you know, they attempt to go to the Google Maps address of Mark Zuckerberg's house <laughs> and then drive away. They go, they go to and from the Tesla headquarters. And it mostly works. And it's not even in shadow mode yet, meaning... Shadow mode is when they take a new software feature, they run it in the background of the consumer Tesla cars to see when when would the output that the simulation is running differ from what the driver does. And then they use that to train the system. So they haven't even done that step yet. So the fact that there was one inter intervention, I, I think is relatively impressive. What was the intervention? Yeah, so they're at a, they're at a stop. Uh, they're at an intersection with multiple stoplights. And basically it appears as if the car is assuming that the stoplight that is actually meant for the um, left-hand side lane to turn 
is is meant for the vehicle itself. So the car was going straight, not turning left, but it, it abided by the left-hand turn stoplight. So first of all, very minor, although I've seen a number of headlines about this. Um, you know, Elon, the car moves maybe a foot forward before Elon stops it. He recognizes it right away. Um, so I saw some hot headlines that were like, it was going to run a red light. You know, it's still, there's still someone behind the wheel um, training this thing. So I don't think it was close to endangering anyone, but yes, it's it's not perfect yet. And then, well, this is a a side note, but I was thinking about this the other day. Humans have interventions with each other all the time, as in if you have a passenger, sometimes that passenger will, you know, speak up and say, hey, you you just missed the, you know, the exit or so it's not, you know, obviously humans aren't perfect, but it's interesting to think that, you know, we have we intervene with each other when we're driving in the same car pretty often, at least maybe that's my, maybe I'm just a bad driver because I feel like <laughs> I, I get yelled at all the time <laughs> for missing exits because I space out. But, you know, I think that is kind of an interesting, it was just a thought that popped into my head. Like, you know, this actually happens to humans quite often. Yes. And, you know, Elon, so you're actually touching on, on something um, that, that was also in this video, which Elon says that the system technically could work without maps. So in other words, he said, well, you could you could just give it a GPS point and it might not know how to drive there. Like it might go down a dead end and then realize, oh, I'm at a dead end and then turn back around to get to, you know, the correct route to where you need to be. Um, So, yeah, this, you know, it's I think the first version of autonomous cars that we, we will see what is important. Well, are they safer than humans? We're already seeing that with autopilot. Um, you know, our analysis suggests that a, a car with full self-driving enabled is already safer than a human-driven Tesla. Um, it's certainly safer than the national average, but safer than a human-driven Tesla. And we use Tesla's, you know, self-produced accident data to verify that. And then, you know, can it drive in harsh weather scenarios? That's something people care about a lot. Well, humans aren't that good at driving in harsh weather. So I, I would guess that, you know, the car is going to be cautious. Ashok mentioned in the video that it'll likely slow down in a rainstorm, similar to what we would do. But it, it's trained on human driving data. So it'll mostly try to mimic what what we already do. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be perfect. As, as you said, maybe it'll take a wrong turn sometimes. I think it'll likely be better than a human, and that's what matters. And then ultimately cheaper than a human, too. So, you know, we think what's going to drive this market is that a, a robo taxis will be uh, could be actually cheaper than driving your personal car, uh, but certainly cheaper than ride hail uh, prices today. Um, or you know you could imagine ride hail produ- uh, has a nice uh, produces a nice price ceiling for robo taxis to charge like a four dollar per mile rate, but it could be as low as less than a dollar at scale. Mm-hmm. And then my last question on this topic the distinction between hardware three and hardware four. I know there was some commentary from Elon about this. I think this drive was done on hardware three um, and not hardware four. And could you, could you explain that distinction? You know, what the hope is with hardware four and why this was done on hardware three. Yeah. So I think, I actually think it was it was great that it was done on hardware three because there's been this question of, you know, if I have a previous generation, so these these hardwares are um, it's it's you know hardware four is Tesla's latest in-house produced chip. It's the compute that goes into the car itself um, to be you know think of it as like the brains of the autonomous car. 
So it's actually good to show it on the previous generation system because that was a question. Okay, will autonomy first only work on hardware four vehicles? Will it work on hardware three? You know, if this is already running in a hardware three car, um, you know, which you can think of as basically slightly less optimized, you know, each incremental version of hardware that they come out with is going to be more optimized to what they think, um, you know, will be the best solution to run full autonomy, right? Um, so, so I think that showing that it works in a previous generation of hardware kind of gives everyone hope that, okay, yeah, you know, when Tesla told me that my vehicle had the hardware necessary to become a robo taxi, um, you know, it looks like seemingly that was true, assuming, assuming that they saw full autonomy, which, which we think that they will. Um, so I, I, I think that's good. And, and, you know, we know that, uh, to really get into the weeds that, you know, Tesla's moving more towards using things like diffusion models, which I've heard will work better on next generation hardware, um, but also be better to backwards integrate on um, hardware three because of the, you know, the memory and, and compute power that it has. So um, all in all, I think that might have been kind of a sigh of relief uh, to people watching. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. I'm sad that Mark Zuckerberg wasn't home. Maybe we would have got a, a sneak peek of their upcoming fight. If, uh... <laughs> I, know, I know. Yeah, we're all we're all waiting. Yeah, he. It looked. You know, they took it off of Google Maps, so probably wasn't his yeah. house. But um, you know, it's clearly on his mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, our last topic, Tasha. Let's talk about drones and Walmart. Can you mm -hmm. uh, explain this recent news? I feel like we're talking about the future. We're living in the future. Full self-driving, drones, character-based AIs that you can speak to. Um, but yeah, let's 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 touch on drones. Yeah, you know, I've been writing about drones a lot in the Arc Invest newsletter, and um, what the most recent news is is that Walmart has teamed up with Wing, which is Google's uh, drone delivery project. So it's teamed up with Wing, a company called Flytrex, as drone up as well as Zipline for drone delivery. Um, so this news is that Wing is going to, uh, there's basically like a pilot drone delivery. There are two super centers um, in Texas that Walmart and in Dallas that um, you can get drone delivery within a six mile radius of that super center. Um, this allows Walmart, you know, to add to its existing uh, number of stores that offer drone delivery. I think it's 36. And that's out of some like some uh, roughly 5,000 locations for Walmart. They, they have a lot of stores in the U.S., as you can imagine. Um, but, you know, I think it's a meaningful number of deliveries here. So Walmart has said that so far they've completed 10,000. You know, Zipline, Wing as a whole have done in the hundreds of thousands of deliveries. But um, Walmart has certainly done a lot more than Amazon, which is rumored to have only done roughly 100 drone deliveries. Um, and, you know, different uh, solution. They're working with a number of outside parties to get it done. But I think it means, you know, they're serious about this. And um, I'm certainly excited for it. You know, I mean, the delivery bill when you order food in New York is embar embarrassing at this point. So yeah, I'd, I'd certainly like to skip some of those fees uh, with drone delivery. Yeah. One thing that you said last week that stuck with me was dinner plate level accuracy when it comes to drone delivery. Is that what we should expect in these early days with this partnership? Or is this, you know, more experimental still? It'll be dropped, you know, somewhere in your lawn or, um, you know, what exactly are they delivering as well? Do you know? 
Yeah. So, well, good question on what they're delivering. I, I'm not sure quite yet, but we've seen in the past, like Hamburger Helper was a super popular item to get in Arkansas and some of the locations that were testing it out. Um, dinner plate level accuracy is what Zipline claims they can do gotcha, in the consumer's gotcha. backyard. Um, but drone, uh, Zipline and Wing have a similar system. A lot of them have a similar system where the drone uh, kind of hovers and then lowers something down on a string. Um, so with Zipline, their latest drone, actually a smaller drone comes out of a, you know, a big mother drone, let's call it, and, and lowers down to, to then ultimately release the package. Um, I think with Wing, it's something that kind of looks closer to like a McDonald's box that lowers down. And, and so it, it'll be curious to see uh, how accurate is it versus competitors. You know, I'm curious most about how Wing says, well, Walmart said in their release that this would be beyond line of sight. So if you care about drones, you care about the beyond line of sight requirements because those are what is really holding the industry back right now. The FAA allows for some pilots to exist, but they're often, when they when you get the restriction removed, it's, it's often, it comes with caveats. So, and beyond line of sight means for everyone out there that, you know, I as a pilot don't actually have to physically see the drone um, or as an operator, a remote operator, I'd have to see the drone. But often it's the case now that it's technically beyond line of sight, but you might still have someone say on the ground, that's an observer that has to be able to physically see it, which seems, it's as silly as it sounds, um, or you know, you're restricted to a very small area of operation. So I'm wondering, you know, what's happening here. So yeah, it'll be curious to see, like, to your point, Nick, what is the consumer experience like? Um, you know, what does beyond line of sight actually mean in this case? And then, and then who will Walmart ultimately go with? Because this is what they do. You know, they partner with a lot of different technology companies. But if one of them is successful, you assume they're going to double down on that partner. Um, so, you know, I think that Wing is a, a really interesting competitor. It's Zipline's number one competitor. But I think that, you know, Zipline is a, a formidable company to, to watch here in the space. All right. So two companies to watch in this space. And then you have kind of the mega tech players all testing their, you know, level of competency in the, in the drone delivery space, which is really interesting to your point. You know, Walmart is going at it with, a, hey, let's test and see who can you know, do this at the most probably cost efficient, but also at a, you know, with accuracy um, when it comes to deliveries. Um, do you think they'll ever, or you, do you think they'll ever get into kind of the vertical integration strategy of maybe acquiring one of these or just, you know, maybe in-housing some of this or probably not? That's a really good question. Uh, you can certainly imagine that if one of these companies was successful which, by the way, isn't easy because it's it's not just getting the, the drone to do the delivery correctly, accurately. It's making sort of like this logistics song work of getting packages where they need to be on time when consumers expect them. That's really hard to do, even with non-autonomous systems. Um, so you imagine that if a company does that well, it might be an attractive target for Walmart. Um, you know, I, I'd certainly be interested in these companies as standalone entities because uh, Walmart's probably, you know, it's, it's the Goliath in this space. So having that partnership is really meaningful. But, um, you know, we see delivery of all sorts. So not just packages from Walmart, but um, food delivery as well. As I was talking, that's where I think, you know, we see all the exorbitant fees today. 
Um, so, you know, Zipline's partnered with Sweetgreen and a wing is working with um, Postmates. So, uh, you know, if it if it is a, a Kiva robot situation um, where Amazon takes it or sorry, Walmart takes it in house as Amazon has done with some technologies, mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. But for now, I think it's smart that Walmart hasn't done that. Right. Because it's not working out for Amazon for whatever reason. So um, working with outside entities seems to have been the right move. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, a lot to look forward to, a lot to keep our eye on. FSD, drones, character AI. Uh, Tasha, thank you for stepping in today, helping helping me out, co-hosting. Sam is on vacation, enjoying life. Uh, we wish him uh, you know, nothing but the best. Happy vacation. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on, Tasha. This was awesome. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. That is our show. We'll see you next week or Potentially not. Actually, it is Labor Day next week. So we'll see. Uh, Maybe update everyone in the comment section on YouTube or Spotify or uh, x.com. But we'll try to get a show out next week because innovation doesn't stop. And we're here to report on what we're seeing in the space. So thank you, everyone. Thank you.